This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up? What's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And welcome into the Primetime Podcast here on Most Valuable Podcast. And Brandon, this was a show that uh, early on I was like, okay, we, we, we're going to be talking some coaches. It's going to be a full coaching show. It still is, but uh, the Rams in the NFL kind of threw us a curveball today by firing Jeff Fisher. Uh, the Rams, I think, uh, threw their fans a, a bone um, for the holidays, a little early Christmas, little Christmas present. Yeah. Uh, you know, at 4-9, and nine, uh, and you, you're, you're not letting your, some of your star uh, former players on, on, the, on the sidelines, mm-hmm. you know, just think, things were not going well. And I, I think that with the young quarterback that the Rams have and the kind of the young team that they have, too, you need the right person being there coaching, and, and Jeff Fisher clearly was not the answer there. So they're going to be looking elsewhere, possibly in the college ranks, and we'll get into that later. Well, and I mean, I bring that up because you might be saying, well, Ricky, Jeff Fisher's an NFL coach. How does that fit into college? Jim Harbaugh, that's why. We're going to be talking about Jim Harbaugh later in the show. Should he leave Michigan to go to the NFL? Ricky, you should have teased it out. You what? should have teased we, it everyone out. Everyone knows which coach we're talking about, Brandon. You should have teased it. Okay, not everyone okay, knows. Okay, okay. I'm not, I'm not a teaser this week. I'm, I'm going to give you everything up front. Talking about talking about Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, we're going to look at the Baylor Bears and their situation. Jared, Jared Stidham leaving. What does that mean for them? What does that mean for Auburn? And then we're going to start, actually... With the biggest news. The big news, Lane Kiffin accepted a job this morning with the Florida Atlantic Owls. He's going to remain on as Alabama's offensive coordinator until the end of the playoff run for about two more games, kind of like what Kirby Smart did last year. But, Brandon, this was a move. We're going to get right into it. This was a move that kind of shocked some people. I mean, it, it was Friday where people were like, okay, it could happen. The, over the weekend, they're like, okay, talks have kind of stalled. And then Monday, a deal was kind of struck, and Lane Kiffin was announced as the head coach of the Florida Owls. You being an Alabama fan and just a crimson tide, roll tide, everything about you, well, besides the fighting Irish part, but we're not going to talk about that, what was your first reaction to Lane Kiffin getting the Florida Atlantic job? He's going where? <laughs> and Why? That was that was honestly the first reaction. I, I didn't believe you when you when you had tweeted. When I texted you, didn't you? Tweet, you, you texted me this morning, you know, and I had a feeling, you know, in the last couple of days that he was going somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you texted me and you said that Florida Atlantic, really? I like how I used the shorthand to the F L E L T and or the A T L, and you're like. Who? I'm like Florida Atlantic. Because I could, I, I was, I, I, I was just like, he can't be going there. He can't <laughs> be going there. I mean, you leave this premier mm-hmm. top dog school in Alabama to go coach in the bottom of the barrel, and you know, I'm happy for Lane Kiffin because this is what he wants to do. He wants to be a, he wants to be a head coach. He wants to be a head coach. I think that it's it's a I think it really is a a bummer for Alabama and Alabama fans because I think he's done a really good job with that offense. I mean, you can clearly see that uh, by what he did last year. I mean, you, you're able to make Jake Coker into a a formidable quarterback option mm-hmm. and, and a guy who you know did a, enough to make your offense pretty good. But then again, you had Derrick Henry, and I, I think that. Lane Kiffin has done a really good job since he's been at Alabama, and I think he's done a really good job this year with Jalen Hurts, true freshman quarterback, who I've I've been just raving about all season long. I I, th- I think that Alabama will will definitely feel this one. I, I think that they're they're going to be just fine because they always seem to be, but. Lane Kiffin has been there. I mean, I know it's only three years, but in those three years, he's done a lot of good things. In those three years, you've won a a championship, and you may win another this season. Very good possibility that you could. As long as you do what you need to do, what you've been doing all Mm -hmm. season long, you win back-to-back championships. But I'm happy for him, but I'm surprised in a sense that this is where he's going. He's taking a pay cut. 
the overall budget is much less than Alabama's. I mean, it's way down there. Well, I mean, what budgets are going to be? There are some close to Alabama, but really what's going to be a team that was out there right now that's going to have a budget close to what Alabama has? No, I understand that. But, I mean, I think that if you you go to Texas, obviously huge, Mm -hmm. but that's not who they were looking for. They were looking for a different guy. If you go to Houston, I think it's getting bigger, but Mm -hmm. he doesn't get that position. I I just think with this, Sean Anderson said it earlier this morning uh, as we were going back and forth through text message. There is no expectation here. After a 3-9 and nine season for Florida Atlantic, there is no expectation. So he's going to a spot where USC, huge expectations. Tennessee, huge expectations. Right now at Florida Atlantic, there is no expectation. There is no expectation for you, especially after that 3-9 and season that you have this past season. So Lane Kiffin, he has a program that he's taken over that he gets to, I won't say dismantle, but that he gets to completely retool and make his own. And I think that for him that's going to be really good because I don't think that, I think that fans are probably, look, you win four games, you've already done better than what you did this past year. You win five games, it's like, woo, hoo, we might get a bowl game. Because these days, all you need to win is five. But I, I think that it's a loss for Alabama. It's a it's a definite gain for Florida Atlantic. But I'm surprised in the move to Florida Atlantic. I, I, I will be very honest. It, the, the move there surprises me. The move in general, not so much. But the move there does surprise me. Was I surprised with you? Yes. I was surprised that Lane Kiffin was going to move to like Florida Atlantic wasn't a team that I thought like he'd actually go to. But when me and you were even texting each other and you were like, Hey, you know what? I don't like this. I think he should stay as an offensive coordinator. I don't think he should move, make the move to the head coach. I'm kind of on the side where my first thought was exactly how Sean was thinking of it. This this could be a great starting point. Well, I say starting point. He's been a head coach before, but this should have been the starting point that Lane Kiffin had when he started head coaching because you look at where he's been, it's kind of a unique kind of a road to where he is now. I mean, going from basically tight end coach to wide receivers coach to OC for two years at USC – and then, boom, magically making the jump to NFL head coach where he didn't have too much success with the Raiders. Then he comes to USC where it's like, you know what? You've never been a head coach before. It's a place where if you don't start winning, especially where USC was in its history. If he came to USC now for the first time, everything would be a little bit different. Like if he was there beginning of this season – things would have been a little bit different because USC isn't in the same... They're getting back to a great team, but they're not in the same place they were post-Pete Carroll. Then, I mean, Tennessee, which was before that. Tennessee is also a town where we're talking about Butch Jones each and every year about could this be the year he gets fired because he's just not producing. Yeah, they're kind of winning some games here and there, but they're not really in the hunt for a national championship each and every year. Two fan bases that expect a lot out of their team. He's going to a place where I look at the overall record of this Owl team. Became a football team for D1 in 2001. So they're a relatively young program. Overall, from 2001 till now, an overall record of 76 and 115. In their conference games, which the first five years they were an independent, 37 and 54. This is a team that's not used to winning. The two best seasons that they have had, 2003, they went 11 and 3. The time they finished first in their um in their conference, they went 8 and 5. Both of those years were under Howard Snellenberger, the great coach for the Miami Hurricanes from the late 80s, the one that really kind of started that Miami Hurricane kind of a run to championships. He was really the one that started this program as a coach from 2001 all the way till 2011. Then ever since, it's been you had Carl Pellini, the brother to Bo Pellini, who was at Nebraska, and then the guy who just got fired in Charlie Partridge. So 
This, to me, is the job Lane Kiffin should have had. This should have been his first head coaching job when he first started being a head coach because at a, at a school like this, you can kind of make mistakes here and there. You can have a bad season and teams go, okay, as long as there's improvement because of what we're used to. Now, I'm not saying like he can go in there and go 3-9 and nine for the next four years because this team went 3-9 and nine for the last three. No, but this is a team where he can kind of get his footing of what does it mean to be a head coach? What have I taken from Nick Saban with my time with him? What have I learned from my mistakes in the past? And to me, a big thing, and this was a big kind of aspect that they were talking about with Lane Kiffin and why Houston didn't really give him the job was Lane Kiffin X's and O's. It's fine. He's going to do you a good job, but is he going to kiss up to the board? Is he going to kiss up to alumni? Is he a guy that in recruiting is going to kiss up a little bit to uh, get the best recruits to come in? Now, Florida Atlantic, he's going to be looking at far different recruits than you were looking at with Alabama, but still, there's a little bit of, and this goes for any job, there's a little bit of sucking up that you got to do to certain people. There's also going to be a lot more competition. He's going to be competing against Charlie Strong and mm-hmm. Butch Davis for guys. Now, you know, people, uh, you know, Butch Davis is going to get his guys. I, I think comes out. You want to go with Lane Kiffin? You want to go with Charlie Strong? I think that that's what it might go come down to. Obviously, there's other guys that he'll compete against, but those are some of the bigger names right now. I, I, I think that Ricky, one of the things that you touched on was it was a really good point, and this is where he should have. He sh- he mm-hmm. should have started his head coaching career at a spot like this because. If he had started at a spot like this, he could have been at a Texas right now, possibly. Mm-hmm. He could have been at a Houston right now, possibly. And right now, the reason why no power five, big Power 5 team banked on him is because they don't want to be the next USC Lane Kiffin project. They don't want to be that. They need to win now. They want to win now. Florida Atlantic, they have... Five to ten years to well, figure mean, it out. You look at Houston. Tom Herman brought them up to a place where not only we were talking about them being in the hunt for an invitation to the Big 12, but they were going out competing with teams like Oklahoma, like Louisville this year, and they were actually in those games even beating Oklahoma. This is one, like you said, can't be a Nick Saban project and take a step back with your next head coach. Well, absolutely. And I and I think again a point you made is you got to see and other teams will want to see because you think this is really Lane Kiffin's last stop. No. Florida it's Atlantic. Not. It's 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 a building block. It is a stepping stone to something bigger. Lane Kiffin does not want to end his career at Florida Atlantic. Who would want to? Who would want to that's aspiring to be a big time head football coach? I don't think I do not believe Lane Kiffin wants to be back in the NFL. I don't think that anyone would take him. But I do think that Lane Kiffin wants to be back at a team like a USC because he believes he can do it now. I think he has gone through a lot of growth being at Alabama, being under a coach that just knows how to win in Nick Saban, knows how to win in college football. And I think he's been able to learn a lot from him. I think he's been able to learn a lot and craft a lot of things as an offensive coordinator. I think that his offense, he's going to make that offense a lot better, but he's going to be working with a whole lot. You know, you're going to be working with a group of guys who are just at a lesser caliber of athlete than what you're getting at Alabama. You're getting a lesser caliber Mm -hmm. player. And I think that that's what's going to be the difficult part. That's going to be the culture shock for him. Not only is he getting a lesser caliber player, you're getting lesser caliber facilities. You're getting a smaller budget. You're not getting as many uh, analysts to be able to look at film with and, and break down plays with. It's, it's like moving from a top NAIA Division One school and then a, as a coordinator and going to... NAIA mm-hmm. and and being a head coach, you all of a sudden go from you got all these facilities, all this, 
you know, fancy schmancy, you know, you're, you, you got uh, silver spoons here and the good shyness coming out here. And every, every day it's, you know, coming to work, everything's wonderful. Then you go to the NAI where you're like, oh, my assistant won't take care of that? Oh, no, 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 no. You are the assistant. You know, you well, are the you head coach. You're the assistant. Mm-hmm. You're this. You're that. You're this. You're that. And we don't have money to do this or that. And that's the practice facility right well, over there. It, it's just not glamorous. And it's not as glamorous. Here's the thing I want to bring up. And this goes back to my point of... This is going to be, to me, first off, Lane Kiffin had a choice to make. He was at a fork in, well, not a fork, a try kind of. Was he at a fork in the road and he took it? It was kind of a fork in the road because on one side, it was like a road where it was, this is going to be a weird road. There's one fork, but if you chose the one path, there was another fork. And the reason why I say that is the original fork was, do I stay as an offensive coordinator or do I go to be a head coach? He chose the head coach, so he chose to go left. If he chose to go right and stay as an offensive coordinator, that next fork was Alabama-LSU. And to me, this is Lane Kiffin going, I want one more crack. I want one more crack to try to be a head coach because it's one of those things where being 41 – you're still relatively young compared to your counterparts in head coaching. This is probably the one where it's like, if I'm going to get back to that high job, I have to start somewhere. This is the this is where I start. This is where I should have started before, and I'm kind of going to be a late bloomer in the game. But he doesn't want one more crack because this is not the end goal. This well, no, Florida Atlantic is this not is, the end goal. I'm you said he wants journey, one more crack. The journey but he, is the one last crack. If he doesn't succeed at Florida State, do, is Atlantic, he at Florida, Florida Atlantic. Atlantic, he's not at Florida State, everybody. Is he ever going, I'm taking Florida State because I'm going to bring up Jimbo Fisher in a second, that's why, but if he doesn't succeed at Florida Atlantic and he never turns that program, I'm not saying he has to make them an 11-3 and team, but if we don't see improvement from them over a couple years, do you think any of the big schools are going to go, yeah, that's a guy I want? So this is kind of no, his last but crack. they will they will offer him offensive coordinator positions for days. But I'm saying but as then, a head coach. But then will he? Do you think? Okay, Lane Kiffin. He wants to go be a head coach. He's going to be a head coach at Florida Atlantic. He's going to be a coach of the Owls. Do you think it doesn't? Okay, it doesn't work out there. Let's say it doesn't work out. You know, unfortunate as that would be, they offer him somewhere else. Good school offers him an offensive coordinator position, does he take it or does he yes. say, you know what, I don't want to do it anymore? Yes. No, I'm saying the head, like the last crack is as a head coach. Ricky, yes, I got what you are saying. I then went on to say what I said, but you get Yes, okay. he's gonna, he'll go back to being an offensive coordinator because it's going to be one of those things where he's going to then realize, okay, this is, this is my role in college football. I'm a coordinator because – the thing that I was going to bring up is you look at you look at Lane Kiffin and he was at USC in 2001 and then he was also um he was at USC as a tight ends coach in 2001 eventually made it to the offensive coordinator in 2006 that's a total of 5 years that is a small amount of time to learn everything that you need to then jump to a head coaching position. The thing that made his worse, he jumped to not just a head coaching position, he jumped to one in the NFL. I look at I pulled up two coaches, Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban, and looking at their time in college football just as assistants. Jimbo Fisher started his assistant journey in 1993 and did not become a head coach until 2010 when he took the job at Florida State. That is a ton of time as an assistant to kind of soak up different situations. He was a quarterback coach. He was an OC at Cincinnati, an OC quarterback coach at LSU. He was the offensive coordinator quarterback coach at Florida State. He soaked up a lot of knowledge in a lot of years. You look at Nick Saban, he kind of has a similar thing. 
started in 1975 as the linebacking coach at Kent State. He didn't get his first head coaching job until Toledo in 1980. So for Nick Saban, it was Toledo, but then it was one year and he was done back as an assistant and then didn't get a head coaching job until 1995. That's almost 20 years of an assistantship with one head coaching stint in there. That's the big difference with Lane Kiffin. He only had five years and then jumped right into head coaching. This, that, his experience as a head coach, and what he's, because I'm assuming he's learned stuff under Nick Saban. I'm not saying he's going to go in there and be the next Nick Saban, but with his experience and what he's learned from Nick Saban, I think, I'm going to say it, I think Lane Kiffin's going to be, I'm going to say successful at Florida Atlantic, but successful to me is not like a, oh, they're an undefeated team. They're what Houston is. No. A successful team to me is bowl eligible. He will make them bowl eligible in maybe five years. I'll give them five years and they'll be bowl eligible under Lane Kiffin. Now, you you think that it will work out for him there. Do you think that do you think that this was the best move for him? You think that this was the right move to go there instead of staying at Alabama. And if you were just going to leave it up to head coaching jobs, I was going to say yes, because this is a way better move than going to a Houston, going to a Texas, even going to a South Florida. But now what I'm saying, but your question, at- your question was the OC. And I'm kidding. Do it. I heard you. I heard you, Brandon. It's a tricky one. And that's one that I'm going to, I'm going to sit there and go, I can't answer it because it's all on preference to me. It's going to decide right or wrong depending on what happens at Florida Atlantic. Because if he does bad at Florida Atlantic, we're going to look at it and go, oh, well, should have stayed at Alabama. If he turns around that program, makes him bowl eligible in a couple of years, then we're going to say, okay, he made the right decision to move on. If it was me, I probably would have stayed as, I would have stayed as the offensive coordinator maybe one more year. I honestly would have because to me, a job like Florida Atlantic wouldn't have been appeasing enough. A three and nine team, but at the same time, I could see why. Like I said, I can see why he took it because the most important thing about this job, there's going to be no pressure. There's going to be absolutely no pressure for Lane Kiffin. But I would have probably stayed at Alabama. Well, I know you would have stayed at Alabama, but I want to hear your reasoning. See, the whole thing is, is that I would have stayed at Alabama if he wanted to continue to win, but. If he wanted a new challenge and he wanted to challenge himself and he wanted to, you know, move on to the next stage of his life, his career, then I would have made a move. And clearly that's what he wanted to do. I'm happy for him. Um, I think that he I think that he will be happy because he's going to be on the path to hopefully one day uh, being a head coach in a big program, program, a good program. But who knows? Maybe he would turn it around completely at Florida Atlantic to make them into a good and a big program. But uh, right now, that looks to be an outside shot of doing that, of making the program good. I think I could see that making them very um, respectable, but turning it into a program anywhere near uh, some teams in the uh, towards the top of of the SEC. Now that is hard to. Hard to believe, but I, I I am happy for Lane. I am sad for Alabama because I think that he was a really good fit there as an offensive coordinator. But you know we see it in the NFL all the time. I really liked I really liked Adam Gase as the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator of the Chicago Bears. But you know when someone gets to be really good, as it happens all the time, they realize that they're good. They realize that they can make some more money going elsewhere and that they can move on to the next stage of their career. It happens all the time. We're talking coaching or we're just talking the everyday normal normal jobs outside of coaching out in the in the real world with the non-sports. You know, I, I think that that's just how it is. And, I'm again, I'm happy for him, but I, I, I think that Alabama will be fine because the big man's still there, Nick Saban. Well, and the last thing I kind of want to touch on is – Apparently, there are already reports 
that Nick that not Nick Saban that Lane Kiffin has his target for who he wants to be his quarterback as he moves over to Florida Atlantic. And here's an interesting one. He wants Blake Barnett to be his starting quarterback, to come over with him to Florida Atlantic. And you might be sitting there going, well, Ricky, why do you say it like it's so interesting? Barnett, redshirted as a freshman in 2015 by Alabama, was named to be the starter this season, lost that job to Jalen Hurts, this past September said, ah, I'm going to transfer, and then in December said, I'm going to transfer to Arizona State. That's who Lane Kiffin wants to say, no, 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 Arizona State, I'm going to go be with my boy Lane Kiffin and go down to Florida. If you're Blake Barnett, do you make that move? Do you spur Arizona State to go to Lane Kiffin and Florida Atlantic to be an owl hoot hoot? Well, it all depends on your relationship with Lane Kiffin. If it was a good relationship with Lane Kiffin and you didn't want to play for anybody else because you felt the connection there with the offensive coordinator, then yeah, I absolutely do it. But if you didn't feel that, then I would you know, stick to your guns and, and continue with Arizona State. Now, if I'm Lane Kiffin, I'm saying, hey, Jalen, you want to come on over? It's been fun, hasn't it, buddy? Come on. Come on. No, but I, I, I think that... Um, it will be very interesting when Lane Kiffin sets up his entire staff mm-hmm. and and, and uh, has his team in place because I will be watching that very closely, as I'm sure many of us will be. Well, and I'm also interested to see how the recruiting game goes, if there's any recruits that do go, hey, I want to play for Lane Kiffin just because of the name or if it's going to be, I don't want to play for him because he wasn't successful as a head coach. He may actually get a lot, a little bit of a bump, uh, not because of the name, but because of the name that he coached for before Alabama. Mm-hmm. And people probably go, you know what? Yeah, you had Nick Saban, but you ran that offense. You you had Derrick Henry. You had this. You had that. Again, people that Nick Saban is helping to bring in. But I, I think that people may, may go and want to play for him because he knows the Alabama system and may try and put that in place at – Florida Atlantic. Well, and this is where we're going to end the Lane Kiffin discussion. This is where you guys let us know down below what you guys think about the hiring. How do you think Lane's going to do at Florida Atlantic? And just your general thoughts of the hiring in general and what you thought of when you heard Lane Kiffin was going to Florida Atlantic. We're going to move on, though, into a different kind of situation, not with a coach, but more with a player transferring as the Baylor Bears are not only officially losing Jarrett Stidham, but he is going to be the quarterback of the Auburn Tigers, a team where this year, Brandon, we talked about the Tigers and the one position they were missing. Well, in my mind, the one position they were missing was a quarterback, and they seem to now have that with Jarrett Stidham. Well, I think that that's a really big, big addition for for Auburn. I think that that is huge because what we saw – Stidham do in a Baylor uniform Mm -hmm. and if he can avoid injury and he's got to avoid injury I think he can be something very good at Auburn and you know Auburn in the last year and a half they've had some pretty decent quarterback play and then some very very rocky quarterback play so what they're looking for is they're looking for someone consistent and that's I think what they will get with Jared Stidham as the starter there, if he indeed is the starter, I would almost bet that he is. I don't think he goes there if he's not going to be. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we we saw they, they've had Sean White. They've had Jeremy Johnson. And Stidham, I think, is the guy who can be the guy they've been looking for. I think, again, he's you look at his numbers that he had at Baylor. While healthy, Stidham was good. Stidham was, I thought, pretty darn good for in, for the Baylor Bears. In so, 2015, he had 1,265 yards, a completion percentage of 68.8, where I'll take that each and every day, and more importantly, a 12-2 to touchdown, inter- touchdown to interception ratio that simples down to 6-1. to And I think that's huge because when you're looking at who you're going to go against, Auburn, you're going to go against Alabama. That's going to be your big game. Alabama is your big game. You got a lot of a lot of a lot of really good games on the schedule, but Alabama is your big one. You know, that's the Iron Bowl. That's all that that game always has has mm-hmm. a lot of momentum and has a lot surrounding it. 
And a big reason why you could win is if you don't turn the football over. Because that's what Alabama is made to do. Get turnovers. Force turnovers and put up points based off their turnovers. So if you can secure the football, even if that means playing a little bit more conservatively, but you don't turn the football over, you have that much more of a chance to beat Alabama. If they don't get any turnovers, that means you're placing it all on their offense, which while good, we've seen Jalen Hurts turn the football over a couple of times. Mm -hmm. We've seen that this year, but his defense has helped him out, and he's made big plays. But if Auburn then can put it all together, get some defensive stops, I mean, I'm looking way out into the future right Mm -hmm. here. But I'm saying that he he could just bring a whole new aspect to them because of what he brings and what his game brings. Now, he's been in the Big 12, the beast of zero defense in all offense. And now he's going to the and conference with some defense. And now he's going to a conference where, oh my goodness, it is balanced. So I think that him coming from a very offensive, offensive uh, conference he goes to a team where at times, and I'm not even saying this past year, I'm saying mainly, actually, the I would say maybe the beginning of 2016 mm-hmm. and then 2015 at times, Auburn wasn't putting up points. And I think that that's what Stidham might be able to bring to them is consistency at the quarterback position and a guy who will be able to help them put points on the board against the good teams. Well, and the big reason why you might be looking and saying, well, Ricky, why why were you using stats from 2015? Well, Stidham didn't play this season. It was actually this past July where Stidham said, you know what, with the sexual abuse stuff that's being come that's coming out here at Baylor, I'm gonna transfer. And he was actually he did receive his release from Baylor with some restrictions, and those restrictions were basically you can't go to these select group of teams, which mainly meant you can't go to the you can't go to the Big Twelve or anyone in Texas. So the thing that's going to be important is he's coming into this Auburn team as a sophomore. He's going to come in with three years of eligibility left because he only played that one in 2015, and this creates an interesting situation. For Gus Malzahn, because it what you mentioned early in your talking was, is he now the guaranteed starter? You've got Sean White, who's going to be coming back. He's going to be a junior. You've got John Franklin the third coming back. He's going to be a, a senior. Then you also have Jeremy Johnson leave, so that's where Stidham takes his spot. So basically you have Stidham, who if he started, he'd be the young guy getting the start over the junior and the senior, to me, I say, I think right now nobody has the job, of course, and in in the spring it's going to be who can win the job. I think Stidham can win the job. And the reason why I say that is Sean White, to me, I just don't think he's got the stuff to beat Jared Stidham. Stidham has done it at a high level with Baylor. And to me, John Franklin the third. I look at this kid and you might be saying, well, Ricky, where does that name ring a bell? Last chance you, that's where it rings a bell. He was the quarterback for that first season on Netflix. He just seems like a kid to me where it's like, you've got all the talent in the world, but you can never get it to click. You can just never get it to click. I I saw it when I was watching Last Chance You. I saw it last year at Auburn. I think Jared Stidham's going to walk in in the spring, win this job, and Auburn is going to be playoff contenders next season. We're going to be talking about them playoff time. And, and Ricky, one thing that I wanted to to bring up um, in regards to what I was talking about uh, with the with the different point totals and, and the fact that they were unable to score you know a, a decent amount of points when it mattered. Game one, they only score thirteen points against Clemson. They hold mm-hmm. them to nineteen. You you get to score some points in that game. You force Clemson to have to keep up with you then, and then you're starting to you know. Do something. Texas A&M, you only score 16 points and you lose. LSU, you win, but you only score 18 points. Uh, Let's see, Vandy, you only score 23, you win. Georgia, you lose because you only score 7. And Alabama, you lose, you only score 12. So you put a consistent quarterback there, a guy who can stay healthy. If he can, Stidham, I think, 
you take two or three of those games, we may see wins this next season. Well, and another thing you got to look at is the schedule for next season. Your non-conference games, you got one. You got one tough one. That's the Clemson game. Other than Clemson, you're playing Georgia Southern and Mercer. With Stidham at quarterback, you could win those two games. The big thing about Clemson, guess what? It is at Clemson this year. And then when you look at the SEC schedule for the Tigers next year, you guys got some favorable ones. You play Old Miss at home, an Old Miss team that's going to be also without Chad Kelly. You play Alabama at home, the Iron Bowl's at home. Georgia is at home. However, you've got to me a three it's a four week stretch with three games that is going to be crucial next season and we're going to be talking about this when we look at Auburn at LSU on October 14th at Arkansas on the 21st you get the bye and then you're at Kyle Field on the 4th that's going to be just boom 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 oh wait then you got to play Georgia at home you get a week non conference game against Louisiana Monroe and then boom the Iron Bowl which is at home. So you've got some games that with a quarterback you can win, but this schedule, this SEC schedule, might not do you favors next year, and that's why I think Stidham needs to be the guy that starts. If they don't start Stidham, we're looking at the same Auburn Tiger team we looked at this year. Yeah, I think we are, and I think that that's why you don't you don't get a guy and, and, and recruit a guy in to be your quarterback next season on a guy coming away from a from a school that is a disappointment to all and a disappointment to any core value that they ever put on their wall, ever put in their programs, ever put anywhere. Disappointment and disgrace. And I think that you want to go and you want to be better. You want to be better than that program. You want to be better as a person. You just mm-hmm. want to be a better player. you got to stay healthy. And if he can do that, Ricky, I'm telling you, this guy could certainly be up for one of the best players in the SEC next season. If he stays healthy, he's got the tools. We saw it. I think that he can really, I won't even say turn them around, but he can take them to the next level. That'd be the Auburn Tigers if Jared Stidham can stay healthy. Well, it'll be interesting in that Iron Bowl. We'll have sophomore quarterbacks dueling off. I know Stidham will be a little bit older than Jalen Hurts, but... Eligibility-wise, two sophomores could be going at it in that Iron Bowl. The last thing I kind of want to mention in this topic before we move on to the big one, which is Jim Harbaugh, is I want to look at Baylor really quick. And they made their head coach. We were right. Jim Grobe, I know at the beginning of the season, we talked about the scandal, and then we talked about Grobe being the head coach. And one of the things I asked you when we did that was, will Grobe be around? Is he going to then take the team and be the head coach in future years. I want to say both of us said no. I know I did. And we were right. As Baylor, the Bears, they went and hired Matt Rule. And he, you might be saying, Ricky, who's that? Matt Rule is the Temple head coach who was with Temple for four years, went 2-10, and 6-6, and six, but then 10-4, and 10-3 and three with a loss in the Boca Raton Bowl and then a win in the um, Military Bowl or they're going to play in the military ball. He's not going to coach in that because he's going to depart to go worry about the Baylor Bears because he's got a lot to worry about there. I like this hire, Brandon. I do. And the reason why is two things. And one of them I'm going to actually give the guy credit who I heard it from. It's Jay Hood on ESPN Radio. I agree with him when Jay Hood said, if you can take Temple and make them relevant in the world of sports in Philadelphia – then you've done something because that that's a feat in itself. If his accomplishment there, and then also the kind of offense he runs, he's a pro style guy, which is going to be kind of a change for Baylor. They're a team that in the past has aired it out five wide. Let's go deep, and this is going to be kind of a uh, little bit of a change in philosophy. It could be as they go more towards a pro style offense, which could be interesting in the Big Twelve. What did you think when Matt Rule was named the head coach of the Baylor Bears? Did you have any reaction to it? You know, I thought, thank goodness it's not that one guy. What, our Bryles? Yeah. Because <laughs> they were talking about 
bringing him back. Well, yeah. they weren't, but couldn't even couldn't even think of his name. Back. Such a nobody. He almost he was in the running for the Houston job too. Apparently, yeah, I understand that, and I and I think that okay, you know, you're obviously hopefully you're just going for him, but on his on his coaching strictly, and I get it. Everyone deserves a second chance and things like that, but. You know, we talk, we beat that not horse a, to death over the, the summer. Place. But it's the th- no, 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 no. But even even going forward, yeah, at e- Houston, anywhere, anywhere. Because with mm-hmm. that, you 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 not only bring a coaching style, you bring a philosophy. Mm-hmm. If your philosophy is I'll let my players get away with whatever they want and brush it aside because I need them to win, that is not good. You bring you bring that culture with you. Exactly, exactly, and I think that. The Matt Rule hire is going to be good for Baylor. They need a new guy who hopefully brings in a completely new staff because talking talking with, I wish <laughs> I was talking with Mike and Mike, listening, listening yeah, you, you to listen Mike to and Mike. You a lot on your uh, commute to work. Yes, I do. But listening to Mike and Mike, Greeny had a great comment. You have to come in. You cannot keep anybody on that staff. You can't keep mm-hmm. anybody of the Art Bryles era. Nobody. One of the guys includes his son as the offensive coordinator. You can't do any of that. Clean there's going to be because there's still going to be hurt feelings. There's still going to be bad blood. And what I thought was terrible mm-hmm. is that for Jim Grobe when he was in there, no one helped him out a bit. Mm-hmm. His staff went rogue. His staff went and, and did bad things, said things behind his back. All this stuff. They all need to be gone. They all need to be gone. They need to move on, and so does Baylor. Baylor needs to be able to move on. They have to. School officials messed up. Coaches messed up. But that program needs to be able to move on for those student athletes. We all forget students first, athletes second, and I realize we're all talking athletics, but these guys need to be students too. And whether or not someone's taking the test for them or they're taking it themselves, they got to be students. And that is a joke. They better be taking the test for themselves. But I am I am saying it's it's about these students, it's about the kids because they're the ones who are putting in, you know, the coach putting in long hours, he's getting paid money for it. The student athletes are putting in a lot of hours. Guess what? They're not getting paid money for it. They are getting a scholarship, but they are not getting paid millions of dollars they're not getting paid millions of dollars to show up at 5 30 in the morning and then show up later in the afternoon for their two a day they're not getting paid millions of dollars to do that they are mm-hmm. getting paid a scholarship but ultimately n- trying not to get too far away from the point baylor needs to move on matt rule is a good hire he needs to bring in all of his own people and sweep out the garbage and Baylor. They need to and when I say the term clean house, he needs to literally clean house and get them all out of there. De-scum I, it. I totally I totally agree with you. Couldn't agree with you more, but I think this is like I said, I think this is gonna be a good hire. Like I said, was able to actually make Temple relevant. And wow, this is the second team we've talked about on the podcast. With the mascot of the owl, I just thought of that in my hoot, head. Hoot hoot! That was kind of that was kind of crazy. We had Florida Atlantic, now we got Temple. He was actually able to make them relevant. Back to back bowl appearances. We'll see if they can get a win without him. But I, I, I hope Matt Rule can get something done with Baylor and turn that around because it would nice to, it would be nice to see a pro style offense in the Big Twelve. It would be nice to see that. I know Texas is kind of like that, and Texas fans are probably like Ricky. We've been doing a pro style offense all the time, so give us some credit. You guys let us know, though, what you guys think of Jarrett Stidham transferring to Auburn, the hire of Mike Rule at Baylor, the whole situation, Baylor, Auburn, let us know down below in the comments section. We're going to move on, though, into our last topic. And, Brandon, I'm going to start out nice and simple. I'm looking at CBS.com right now, and they have an article where the headline reads, Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan for the Rams is reportedly a very real possibility. I am going to, we're going to do what we did a few weeks ago when we talked about Lane Kiffin. I am putting you in the mind of Jim Harbaugh. Put your khakis on. Put your Sharpie on. Put your big blue hat on with the yellow M. Jim Harbaugh, are you leaving Michigan for the Rams? I'm thinking about it. 
I'm thinking about it. And the reason I'm thinking about it is because in San Francisco, you will you were railroaded. That was bad. You were not getting along with ownership. It was not going well. Uh, they they didn't want you anymore, and they ultimately sent you on your way. You go to Michigan, and you turn around a program that was in despair. Despair. I turned around a program in despair because I'm Jim Harbaugh. Ten and three is first year. I wore my khakis, and that's all I needed to do to make <laughs> things better. He brought a culture that changed Michigan for years to come. Mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh, no Jim Harbaugh. He has put in place a system. He has put in place recruits. He has put in place a culture that it would be very hard to break if you bring in somebody new. They'd have to be the right fit, but they could do it. I, I as Jim Harbaugh, look at the Rams and go, hmm, a team in disarray, a team with fans yearning for success again, and a team in a market that has endless possibilities. Who has talent on that team. And there is talent on that team, more so on the defensive side, but so much to work with on the offensive side. And how much did you enjoy working with Wilton Spate? You have an opportunity to work with Jared Goff and help him to become a legit NFL quarterback. That's an enticing position. That's a position that if they come knocking on your door, you take them inside to talk to them to say, all right, what is the proposal? What are we offering? What are we talking here? I'm going to have to think it over. But I will think it over. That's where I am if I'm Jim Harbaugh right now. Because guess what? You still have things to do at Michigan. You want to make the playoffs. Not just make the playoffs. I think they could. Next year's Michigan team could be winning it all. But what I'm saying, you haven't made the playoffs yet. you got to make it to win. You've had, yeah. you've had two years. You haven't made the playoffs. Two years where you're very close. Two years where, guess what? People aren't just talking Ohio State anymore. They're talking Ohio State, Michigan. Or some, were, or some would say Michigan, Ohio State. And basically you were one questionable call away from being in the playoff this year. Absolutely. So in all honesty, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, as enticing as that Rams job is, for the reasons I mentioned, mm-hmm. there is still work to be done at Michigan. And I think if I leave, it's a little premature and I wouldn't feel like I got everything accomplished that I could have. I'm going to make mine very my answer very simple. No. No. I don't like I don't even think about it. And the reason why I don't think about it is I'm going to give you a two-word phrase from a 30 for 30 that I watched this past weekend that was phenomenal, by the way, if you haven't watched it, watch it, in Catholics Catholic versus Convicts. Yeah. That phrase is, and it was on that T-shirt, unfinished business. There is unfinished business at Michigan. And the way I see it, if you leave to go to the Rams, that's basically you not just telling those players, but telling everyone, yeah, I don't finish what I start. I don't care if I finish what I start. I don't care about winning a championship. You are so close, so close to winning a championship. And it's not like this Michigan team is going to lose a bunch of guys and it's going to be like, where are you going to be next year? No, this is a team we're already talking about is going to compete for their division, going to compete for their conference, and going to compete for a national championship next year. I am also going to bring up a point, and this was one from, because I know if I don't bring it up, he is going to get mad at me, and that is Mike Rankin of our own behind the pen. He said to me before the podcast, as I told him we were going to talk about this, he made his point simple. And I'm going to throw it out to you to see what you think. Like you mentioned, if I think about it, I bring them in, what's the offer? Rankin says, you don't take that inter- you don't take an interview unless you're serious about leaving. 
Because once you take an interview or talk to the Rams, your fellow coaches in the Big Ten are going to those recruits going, you want to play for that guy? He's thinking about leaving. He don't care about you. Now me, I'm going to stay. I'm a guy who cares about you. I kind of agree with them. Unless you are a 80% chance that you're going to take that Rams job, I wouldn't even take the interview because anything that can hurt you in recruiting can hurt you in recruiting. And that's huge, especially when you're going up against Urban Meyer where most of the recruits are either choosing Michigan or Ohio State. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's bad. And I'll tell you why I don't think it's bad. Because if you take the interview with the Rams and you don't end up taking it, you're staying in Michigan. You're telling the guys, guess what? I took the position because I, I took the I took the interview because you want to know why? I wanted to see what they had. I wanted to see was there anything, was there any reason for me to leave Michigan? And guess what? There is no reason for me to leave Michigan right now. You want to know why? Because I have unfinished business here, a, a, a word that you use, mm-hmm. a term that you use earlier. Fits it perfectly. And he says to the guys, I'm committed to you. Are you committed to me in winning a national championship? Because that's why I'm still here. Because we haven't done that yet. And if he, on the other side, takes the interview, is wowed, and says... All right, that's enough. I want to come and coach the Los Angeles Rams. Then guess what? He's the coach of the Los Angeles Rams, and he's not turning around. The way I'm looking at it is kids are finicky these days. And when I say that is kids, what has recruiting turned into? They like to be wild. They like to be wooed. They like to be swept off their feet. If a high school kid gets one sense that you're not 110% committed, they're not going to commit to you. That's how I see it. And to me, it's fine and great. And I, I get personal situations. Like if Jim Harbaugh sits down and says, I've got to take this interview, that is fine with That's fine with me. I'm not telling you not to. I'm just saying beware because all the other coaches in college football who are fighting for these top recruits with you are going to try to spin it as a negative, and you sit, you shake your head, but they will do that. Coaches no, but remember this. But remember this. This just, anything. this just isn't a normal head coach. This is Jim Harbaugh. You can put things aside to go and play for Jim Harbaugh. Well, if someone said, if someone said, well, well, our coach, he 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 went off and he and he uh, had an interview, you know, with the uh, with the Los Angeles Rams. So we don't know if he's going to stay or not. So I don't know if I want to go and play for him. Oh, who's your coach? Jim Harbaugh. Oh, you're going to play for him. It's Jim Harbaugh. It's not um, Charlie Strong. Uh, you know, there's a difference. There's a difference in, See, in, mo- in caliber of coach, Most too. of the players they're going, like most of the players Michigan are trying to fight for, it's not a comparison of Jim Harbaugh to Charlie Strong. It's, oh, you don't want to play for Jim Harbaugh? You can play for Urban Meyer. You can play for Nick Saban. I'm not worried. It's, I'm not worried. It's one of those things. Am I saying a bunch of recruits are going to mass exodus if he has an interview? But I can see where Mike's coming from, where coaches will use anything to try to get a recruit to come to them over you. And that's why I say if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I don't take an interview with the Rams unless I am 80% positive that I want the job. Only 80, huh? Only 80. So if it's 80%, go take the interview. But then beware that people are going to try to use it against you in the recruiting game. The players who are already there, I have no qualms that they've got Jim Harbaugh's back. They will understand. It's the recruits coming in, the high school kids that have not given their commitment that, like I said, want to be wowed, want to be wooed, want to be wined and dined. That's what they want. That's what they do. That's what all recruiting is. However, I look at this Rams job, and if there is ever a job for Jim Harbaugh, it's right there. It is exactly there. I mean, you get a primetime location. You get a team where the NFL is going to hand you everything. 
the NFL want they they gave the Rams Los Angeles because they wanted to. I mean, the Raiders look at it like Kroenke does everything the NFL wants. They give them a new stadium. The Raiders they can't get a new stadium because L. Davis pissed off the higher ups in the NFL. Look at San Diego. They can't get a new stadium to save the life of them because look at the ownership with the Rams. So you get an owner that's in favor with Roger Goodell and the higher-ups. You get a primetime location in L.A. When you were coaching in San Fran, you did pretty well. When you were coaching at Stanford, you did pretty well. Like you said, you get to work with Jared Goff. You get to work with a great defensive unit that, to me, has been the bright spot to this team this season, especially early on in that season. And then you get Todd Gurley, who's one of, who I'll say could be, one of the better running backs in the league. So there are definitely bright spots to taking this job. But in the end, I stay at Michigan. I don't even take the interview because, like I said, there's unfinished business. And the way I am the way I see it, I'll just go ahead and say it. I've been trying to work my way around not saying that, but fuck it. The way I see it is there will always be an NFL job waiting for you when you're ready. That's not the Cleveland Browns, so you don't have to worry. Well, let me tell you this. Let's not forget that when Harbaugh and the 49ers ended the marriage that mm-hmm. started off so nicely, he didn't want to go to college. He wanted to stay in the NFL. The right position was not open for him in his mind. And let's also remember that 49ers team, as bad as they were, and we remember how bad they were. Oh, they were Un- unbelievably bad. Not Cleveland Browns bad, but unbelievably bad. He turned them around to go 44-19 and 1, lead them to the NFC title game three straight years, and then take them to the Super Bowl. I think that if I'm the Rams, I am making the hardest push for him. Oh, if you're because, the Rams, you because, want him. Because... You are going after a guy that's been in that division before, mm-hmm. knows how to coach in that division. Right now, you have to go through the 49ers, who are back in turmoil, mm-hmm. and the Arizona Cardinals, who have lost their identity. They have no idea what they're doing week in and week out. And the Seattle Seahawks, who will play very, very well, and then poop their pants. So I think that right now may be the right time to come back to the NFL with the Rams. The reason why I'm saying don't make a hasty decision if you are Jim Harbaugh is, let's be honest, the main reason why we are, why this is such an appealing job is L.A. L.A. plays a part of it. It's a great city. It's a a great place to live. And then, yes, they do have talent on the defensive side like we talked about. But there are other jobs that could open up that could be also appealing to Jim Harbaugh. One of which that I think should open up this year, but who knows, could open up next year. Might never open up, but we don't know. The Cincinnati Bengals. Marvin Lewis cannot make the playoffs and lose or miss the playoffs and lose and not get fired. And the reason why I say that is that's a team. You get Andy Dalton, you get A.J. Green, you get a good team there, and you get a coach against your brother twice a year. Not the most appealing, but it's appealing. I was don't, just, don't, 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 don't I look just, at me like that. I just want to say, what a boring job. Well, it's compared to L.A., Cincinnati's not L.A., but it's still a good team. But I'm not saying, I'm not saying that. I think that. I think that Jim Harbaugh would feel more accomplished by going to L.A. and really helping to turn a team around that has not been good in a I while. Got, I got three more, so we'll see how you like these. Okay, well, Cincinnati, boring, out I, of the question Another in my mind. one, the Packers. Mike McCarthy could be out of the door this year or next year. I know that could eat you up a little bit for Bears fans out there seeing – Jim Harbaugh in his khakis and his kind of polo with the green on it and the Packer green hat. Don't see him. Don't might, see might him there. Might eat you up, but anybody looks at Aaron Rodgers and goes, man, I'd like to like to coach that guy. He's pretty damn good. I just, in all honesty, I see Jim Harbaugh as more of a, I'll say on a project type guy. So the so the last So right now, right now so Rams is looking two. like the top one. The Texans, if Bill O'Brien goes. 
You get Brock Osweiler. It's a project. Well, you know how we feel about Brock Osweiler. Cockadoodle do Brock the cock. But uh, that could be a project because Brock Osweiler, people like us, me and you, don't really think he's that great. He's overpaid. They're a team that could stumble into a division championship, but if Bill O'Brien gets fired, that could be a project team. How about this one for you? And I know you talked about the NFC West, like, oh, if he takes over the Rams, he can get an easy kind of push to the top with the Cardinals falling down. I'm not saying easy. I'm saying I I went over what each team is at right now. How about I go with this challenge for you? What if Mike McCoy gets fired? The Chargers. You get Phillip Rivers. You get Melvin Gordon. You get Keenan Allen back. You get a defense that has a star like Joey Bosa on it. And you get a primetime division to say, man, if I could win in that division against that Bronco D, that Chiefs team, and then that up-and-coming Raiders team, that'll really show that I can coach. Well, okay. Again, Cincinnati, boring. Um, I think that, you know, right now, clearly, if they're saying that it's a very real possibility that he goes to the Rams— Clearly, maybe he's looking for something different. I think Cincinnati, I feel like it has too much of a feel of of um, Michigan right now. You know, kind of same location uh, there in the Midwest think he and wants stuff the like sun? that. Is that. Maybe. What you're I mean, his last head coaching job in the NFL was in the sun. And I his mean, last college coaching job before Michigan and right before that was. In the sun, it's yeah. So, so maybe that has nothing to do with it, but it would for me. How boring to and then go he to Cincinnati. Also coached at San Diego in the college, which was also so, in the sun. So Cincinnati, I just don't see that as an appealing job. The Packers, I don't think that's going to open up just it, because of Aaron Rodgers. It's just not going to open up. I don't see it. I could see the Texans one because you would have a good defense to work with. You would have a certainly uh, offensive quarterback. Um, uh, Lamar project, Miller. project, uh, but you have good pieces on offense. Mm-hmm. They just have not come out this year with with Brock Osweiler. Completely honest, Lamar Miller's very, very good. You got a good running back. You have a good receiver in in DeAndre Hopkins. You have a really good receiver in Will Fuller. We've seen what he can do. Braxton Miller come, came onto the scene, so I could see that one. And then your was your the Chargers was your final one was the Chargers. Honestly, right now, I think Mike McCoy is safe. Phillip Rivers can't turn the ball over all the time. And I'm not saying these jobs would be boom opening up this year. I'm saying these are jobs that could be you stay at Michigan for this next season, and then these jobs could open up next year. I know. I'm just I'm just telling you what I think. Yeah, I know. I was just trying to, for the listeners out there, that I'm not saying these jobs are going to open up these this season, especially the Packers, because right now— it doesn't look like McCarthy will get fired, but we don't know what will happen next year. So what I'm saying is I would stay at Michigan because, to me, this Ram job, unless you think you could turn around the Rams, which I I don't think the Rams could be turned around, but it could also be because I'm looking at it through the Jeff Fisher eyes. It's like the meme that uh, our good friend uh, Lions guy, as everyone knows him, but his name's Mike sent us, is, uh, oh, hmm. The Rams beat me in the Super Bowl. Here, let me just destroy their franchise. And that's exactly what Jeff Fisher did. He destroyed their franchise. But what are your last thoughts on Jim Harbaugh possibly leaving Michigan to go to the Rams? Last thoughts on Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan to go to the Rams. If he does it, I completely see why he does it. I I see so much opportunity with the Rams for him, for him, because he's the right fit. I see it's all about fit with everything, both coaching for sure. I see him as being the right fit for the Rams. I could totally see him turning that around in a matter of only a couple of years. I mean, it takes some time, and, and but I think I think Jared Goff, his progression would be much quicker. I think Jared Goff, the reason why he didn't come out as as quickly as he as he did, at least to play, as they didn't allow him to play. Oh, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. They didn't know what they were doing with him. They had no idea. Mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh would certainly know what he's doing. He's got a good defense, a really good defense, young defense, uh, but. I think ultimately, my opinion, he stays in Michigan. He's not done yet. Yeah, I think that uh, you got to stay at Michigan only because, like I said, unfinished business. You got to go win that national championship for the kids that you brought in 
And when you brought them in, they thought they were going to win that national championship with you, not with some other guy that would come in to replace you if you left. But this is where I want to know what you guys think. You guys listening down below in the comment section, that's actually going to do it for the uh, primetime podcast. I know last week I sat here saying, oh, we've got the longest one and we probably won't have one this long. And then look at that. We're back over an hour. But before I sign off the whole entire ship, we're going to do what we do every single week. And it is time for Swanee's final thoughts. Well, Ricky, I got to say, I got to give it up for Lamar Action Jackson on winning the Heisman Trophy. And you know what I, I love about it is just, you know, he he was he, he he did that. He you know had his speech there. He was looking fly. I I, I thought that uh, he had a nice speech. I, I just think that the guy at 19 years old really carried himself well. And I I think that again, Mike and Mike uh, saying this morning that there were people hating on what he was wearing, hating on how. You know, he did this or did that. It looked very Louisville Cardinal. He is 19 years old. He stood up there. He looked professional. I think at one, least he wore a tie. I think one, you know, lay off people. Everyone has something to complain about about everything these days. Just be happy for him. Just be happy for him. He deserved it the most. I'm happy for him. I think that's great. Number two, Notre Dame quarterback Deshaun Kaiser saying. He's going to go to the NFL draft. Going to be very interested to see where he ends up because he put up some good numbers this year for a losing Notre Dame team. He could have been a lot better, could have had more wins if that defense uh, was you know, worth anything. Um, but they were not this season, unfortunately. But I thought that was a big story. Notre Dame quarterback Deshaun Kaiser declaring for the NFL draft. Is he top five? Is he top ten? Well, we'll get into that when we talk draft uh, coming up here in probably well, mat- com- matter of weeks. Up. Matter of weeks. And, it is coming up. And then uh, Lamar Action Jackson, again, a huge congratulations to him. The best player in college football won the Heisman this season. And with that, I'm actually going I got two things to say in response to your final thoughts. Is One, if you guys have not already, I'm putting a link in the description for you guys. You got to check out Lamar Jackson today. He was on the Dan Patrick Show. Sweet, like the thing I loved most about his interview is how polite he was. And he's humble. Every single time, every single time he addressed one of the Danettes or Dan Patrick, he always said, sir. Always said, sir. And to me, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, at 19 years old, how many kids do you have that actually do that and have that kind of politeness to kind of respect the people who are older than them, even if they don't really know them that well? And then two, the big announcement I'm going to make, and I'll make it because uh, you were talking about the draft, is this Thursday, check out mostvaluablepodcast.com because I'm going to be dropping my first NFL mock draft for the 2017 season. So it's going to be fun to watch. I'm going to drop my first one. When do I get to drop my first one? Whenever you want, man. It's like dropping a mixtape. Whenever you want. You could drop a big big board. You can drop whatever you want. I'm dropping mine on Thursday. I may do my my little board. <laughs> Your little board? Your small board? I may do the first five. The, 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 the first five. But let us know down below what you thought of anything we talked about today, whether you're listening on Blog Talk Radio or YouTube. Thank you for checking us out today, tonight, this evening, whenever you're listening to us. Make sure to check out our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. And as always, have a good day, everybody. We will. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.